Chapter Five of Childhood by Leo Tolstoy, translated by Charles James Hogarth, eighteen sixty nine to nineteen forty five. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Five: The Idiot. The man who now entered the room was about fifty years old, with a pale, attenuated face pitted with smallpox long grey hair and a scanty beard of a reddish hue likewise he was so tall that on coming through the doorway he was forced not only to bend his head but to incline his whole body forward he was dressed in a sort of smock that was much torn and held in his hand a stout staff as he entered he smote this staff upon the floor and contracting his brows and opening his mouth to its fullest extent laughed in a dreadful unnatural way he had lost the sight of one eye and its colourless pupil kept rolling about and imparting to his hideous face an even more repellent expression than it otherwise bore hello you are caught he exclaimed as he ran to volodya with little short steps and seizing him round the head looked at it searchingly next he left him went to the table and with a perfectly serious expression on his face began to blow under the oilcloth and to make the sign of the cross over it oh what a pity oh how it hurts they are angry they fly from me he exclaimed in a tearful choking voice as he glared at volodya and wiped away the streaming tears with his sleeve his voice was harsh and rough all his movements hysterical and spasmodic and his words devoid of sense or connection for he used no conjunctions yet the tone of that voice was so heart-rending and his yellow deformed face at times so sincere and pitiful in its expression that as one listened to him it was impossible to repress a mingled sensation of pity grief and fear this was the idiot grisha whence he had come or who were his parents or what had induced him to choose the strange life which he led no one ever knew all that i myself knew was that from his fifteenth year upwards he had been known as an imbecile who went barefooted both in winter and summer visited convents gave little images to any one who cared to take them and spoke meaningless words which some people took for prophecies that nobody remembered him as being different that at rare intervals he used to call at grandmamma's house and that by some people he was said to be the outcast son of rich parents and a pure saintly soul while others averred that he was a mere peasant and an idler at last the punctual and wished-for foca arrived and we went downstairs grisha followed us sobbing and continuing to talk nonsense and knocking his staff on each step of the staircase when we entered the drawing-room we found papa and mamma walking up and down there with their hands clasped in each other's and talking in low tones maria ivanovna was sitting bolt upright in an armchair placed at tight angles to the sofa in giving some sort of a lesson to the two girls sitting beside her when karl ivanitch entered the room she looked at him for a moment and then turned her eyes away with an expression which seemed to say you are beneath my notice karl ivanitch it was easy to see from the girls eyes that they had important news to communicate to us as soon as an opportunity occurred for to leave their seats and approach us first was contrary to mimi's rules it was for us to go to her and say bonjour mimi and then make her a low bow after which we should possibly be permitted to enter into conversation with the girls what an intolerable creature that mimi was one could hardly say a word in her presence without being found fault with 
also whenever we wanted to speak in russian she would say parlez donc francais as though on purpose to annoy us while if there was any particularly nice dish at luncheon which we wished to enjoy in peace she would keep on ejaculating mangez donc avec du pain or comment est-ce que vous tenez votre fourchette what is she to do with us i used to think to myself let her teach the girls we have our karl ivanitch i shared to the full his dislike of certain people ask mamma to let us go hunting too katenka whispered to me as she caught me by the sleeve just when the elders of the family were making a move towards the dining-room very well i will try grisha likewise took a seat in the dining-room but at a little table apart from the rest he never lifted his eyes from his plate but kept on sighing and making horrible grimaces as he muttered to himself what a pity it has flown away the dove is flying to heaven the stone lies on the tomb and so forth ever since the morning mamma had been absent-minded and grisha's presence words and actions seemed to make her more so by the way there is something i forgot to ask you she said as she handed papa a plate of soup what is it that you will have those dreadful dogs of yours tied up they nearly worried poor grisha to death when he entered the courtyard and i am sure they will bite the children some day no sooner did grisha hear himself mentioned that he turned towards our table and showed us his torn clothes then as he went on with his meal he said he would have let them tear me in pieces but god would not allow it what a sin to let the dogs loose a great sin but do not beat him master do not beat him it is for god to forgive it is past now what does he say said papa looking at him gravely and sternly i cannot understand him at all i think he is saying replied mamma that one of the huntsmen set the dogs on him but that god would not allow him to be torn in pieces therefore he begs you not to punish the man oh is that it said papa how does he know that i intended to punish the huntsman you know i am not very fond of fellows like this he added in french and this one offends me particularly should it ever happen that oh don't say so interrupted mamma as if frightened by some thought how can you know what he is i think i have plenty of opportunities for doing so since no lack of them come to see you all of them the same sort and probably all with the same story i could see that mamma's opinion differed from his but that she did not mean to quarrel about it please hand me the cakes she said to him are they good to-day or not yes i am angry he went on as he took the cakes and put them where mamma could not reach them very angry at seeing supposedly reasonable and educated people let themselves be deceived and he struck the table with his fork i asked you to hand me the cakes she repeated with outstretched hand and it is a good thing papa continued as he put the hand aside that the police run such vagabonds in all they are good for is to play upon the nerves of certain people who are not already overstrong in that respect and he smiled observing that mamma did not like the conversation at all however he handed her the cakes all that i have to say she replied is that one can hardly believe that a man who though sixty years of age goes barefooted winter and summer and always wears chains of two pounds weight and never accepts the offers made to him to live a quiet comfortable life it is difficult to believe that such a man should act thus out of laziness pausing a moment she added with a sigh as to predictions je suis paie pour y croire i told you i think that grisha prophesied the very day and hour of poor papa's death oh what have you gone and done said papa 
laughing and putting his hand to his cheek whenever he did this i used to look for something particularly comical from him why did you call my attention to his feet i looked at them and now can eat nothing more luncheon was over now and luboshka and katenka were winking at us fidgeting about in their chairs and showing great restlessness the winking of course signified why don't you ask whether we too may go to the hunt i nudged volodya and volodya nudged me back until at last i took heart of grace and began at first shyly but gradually with more assurance to ask if it would matter much if the girls too were allowed to enjoy the sport thereupon a consultation was held among the elder folks and eventually leave was granted mamma to make things still more delightful saying that she would come too end of chapter five recording by expatriate in bangor maine